You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. And you seem to be very excitable this evening. That's my impression of you. Oh, well, that's not, I don't think that's very flattering. Well, go back and listen to On the other hand, have you seen my my new videos with Lou Gourmet TV? He's always got me, like, winking and pointing at a bottle. I think he's awesome at at grabbing off those those stills. You know what? And I actually, if people haven't seen Michael's new videos, you should go to his YouTube channel, which I'm assuming are at The Grape Guy. Uh, It's actually, surprisingly, it's Michael Pincus, because that's what Google set me up as. But but either Uh, way, the the videos, because I've always said, and... Don't get me wrong. I love your videos because I love that we get to see the inside of your cellar when you're showing them off. But the production value, there's a lot to be said about this, about the production value on these new videos. I think I think Luke Gourmet is doing a, an awesome job, and uh, I hope we continue. Um, hey. but, you know, I do, my, I do my own, obviously, too, still. But uh, we still got to find our feet. Hey, if, if Lure Gourmet wants to do anything with this podcast, if they're listening right now, I'm, I would be open to that. And I know that's a shameless comment, but You are, you I are don't a care. shameless plugger. And <laughs> I am Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. And Andre, I'm about to open a bottle of wine here. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's a, an Okanagan Vineyards 2003 Cabernet Merlot. Obviously from the Okanagan in, in British Columbia. And if I am not mistaken, Okanagan Vineyards... Uh, was bought out by Inniskillen. So now where the Okanagan Vineyards used to be is now Inniskillen. And um, now I have probably held this bottle way too long. I, I'll tell you, it's a 13-year-old bottle. I got it, obviously, at the LCBO, and I, I don't know what made me hold it this long. But it's probably because BC wines are such a rarity at the LCBO. You want to hold on to something magical as long as you can. Could be true. And I'm reading through the label and blah, and I pull off the capsule of this bottle of wine that I've been holding. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, underneath the capsule is a crappy, and I'm going to say it because I really hate these things, especially for aged wine, plastic cork. Good for short-term aging, bad for long-term aging. No, you know what? There should be no compromise. There should be no compromise with, with winemaking. And it's cheap to get a screw cap now. There's no excuse to be using plastic corks. I don't so, care if it's for short term or for whatever. There is no excuse to be using plastic corks. There, I've said it. Okay, so here we are, and I'm opening this bottle of wine. And I wish that somebody on the back label, on the front label, had said, sealed under plastic cork, drink within two or three years. Then, you know what? Then it's my fault for holding it. But now I've been holding it. The capsule comes off. I have no idea what the cork is. And now... Uh, whatever's in this bottle, and I'm about to pour it in here. Um, it, it, it's not, it's really not my fault for holding it this long. You know? No, it really isn't. Now, oh, I've actually oh, got... Oh, my God. What? Oh, that's, oh, it's horrible. Is it better than you thought it would be? No, it's worse. So what? We're talking like a 94, 95 oh, it's like, point? I hate to say it. It's like somebody farted in the glass, and, and then, I don't know what they ate. Well, let's let's describe that. Is it like someone who had eaten, I don't know, like... Oh, and I'm a professional, and I'm having trouble to... Oh, my God. Well, because if you eat, like, a lot of smoked meat, sometimes your farts will smell a little smoky, or... Um... Um, this is, like, burnt truck tire. Okay. And... So that's definitely someone who probably ate some, like, burnt... burnt. Oh, and there's a... 
Oh my God, Andre, there's. Oh God, this is so bad. These might be the best tasting notes I've ever heard in my life. This is this is. You know how sometimes you say like this is the bomb or something? Yeah, that's one of my expressions. The bomb. This, I... this is the crap. This is the shits, man. Somebody who <laughs> got the shits and and left it in the. Like okay, okay. I'm so so we, 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 this. We, we've got uh, the technical tasting note. I think we have hashtag bottled diarrhea. Oh my God. Andre, I know what, you know, 13 years, that's a long time to hold a bottle of wine. But if I had known, if I had any inkling that there was a plastic cork under here, by somebody putting it on the label, I would never have held it this long. And that's, I think, what bothers me the most about wines that have plastic cork. Is nobody tells you until you pull the, the capsule off, and then you're screwed. You know, I think... Uh, before I get into the wine I'm drinking, we should just tell people that is what we're going to be talking about today is information on a wine label. Oh. And I guess this is kind of a, a bit of a, a sequel to our meritage debate that uh, I'm constantly reminded that I, I handily got d destroyed in that debate, not just by you, but by many other people. But I still stand by that. But I'm actually drinking tonight a Southbrook Wild Ferment Chardonnay. <coughs> Uh, from 2012, and I loved the 2013s, and it looks okay, like Andre, you got to talk. Uh, you got you got to you got to fill some airspace. I got to dump this. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll just talk about this wine because it's awesome. So Southbrook has released the 2012s following the 2013s, where the 2013 uh, Chardonnays from Southbrook were all a little bit elegant and refined, a, a lot of flavor, perfect integration with oak. 2012 is like a monster truck compared to 2013. It's big, it's bold, it's also perfectly balanced with the oak flavors, but it's leaning well towards tropical things like pineapple and even mango, lots of vanilla, a bit of spice on the, on the finish, and uh, this wine is definitely the opposite of what Michael is drinking tonight. God, uh, that was just so bad! Well, this wild ferment Chardonnay from Southbrook is the bomb, and I think even you, ABC curmudgeon, would probably dig this wine. You know, it's not just oxidized. It's just, <laughs> it's just, okay, it, it defies description. Well, here's the thing that, that I've found, because I don't have as much experience with industrial cork as you do, because thank God most wineries have moved on from it. But the few bottles I have had that had industrial cork, that had the plastic cork, tasted a little bit like that smell of, you know, like right when you open a pack of, of playing cards, like just that really plastic industrial smell, only it tastes like that. Oh my God, man! I'm that, sorry. That's just again. I I know that I shouldn't have held it for 13 years, but what um, are you opening instead? Do you know what? Uh, I'm going to go with a. I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open something else that's old, but under cork, and uh, it's a 2013, uh, 2007 bottle from Spain. But uh, just recently, cork, I got a chance taint, to taste cork, something taint, uh, cork, that I think you're going to be really excited about. And it's the 2015 Trius Hillebrand uh, Cab Sauve. Oh. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you something. 15 was a great year here in Ontario. Well, it, it, really, it really shows in this uh, in the bottle that, that I tried. It's my favorite thing about 15 is like it was kind of an average ho-hum summer. Like it was warm, but it wasn't hot. And I mean, it, it, it well, was not like good, this, but it wasn't great. Thing. Yeah, it's not like, not like 2016. Like the red wines we're going to get from this year, assuming the heat and drought hasn't killed all the vines but um like 15 we got an amazing fall so these wineries got a chance to leave their red wines uh out on the vine for a little longer than normal 
And it, I'm just telling you, this thing is, that's the first 15 that I've seen from Trieste in the reds. Uh, it's just, it, was, it was gorgeous. It had some rich coffee, some black cherry, some smoky, some vanilla. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a little bit of earthy note. Uh, it, just, it was just, it was a really good cab. And I know they say here in Ontario we can't do, you know, cabs very well, or we do them, what, three out of every 10 years really well. This was a really good cab. And at 15 bucks, I think it's a steal. Steal. Well, there we go. I'll have to go pick I, some up. I wish, I wish somebody had stolen this Okanagan Vineyard wine from me because I would have saved myself a lot of hassle. All right, you wanted to talk labeling. and uh, Well, we, we both of, wanted to talk about labeling. It's something have, that's kind of come up. It's about labeling, too, obviously, and I just mentioned my biggest, my one of my biggest pet peeves. So it's your turn to have a pet peeve about labeling. Um, my pet peeve is the term old vines. Ooh, yeah, okay, I could see it. And I mean, here's the thing where I understand that it's a double-edged sword. I don't want more rules for wineries to work within. I feel like we have plenty of rules in this province. Um, we have too many rules, but all right. Well, I mean, all, all you got to do is take a look at it. It's made national news. It's made the, the, the newspapers about the saga with the VQA and the old third in Prince Edward County. And thank yes. God they won. And I guess without giving too much information so people know what I'm talking about. Uh, the VQA was giving a small winery in Prince Edward County some guff about using the term Prince Edward County, which is the name of the geographic region on, on their, their website. On yeah. their website. Yeah. Like that's it wasn't on their bottles. Their their labels conformed to the VQA standards or to yeah, I guess to VQA standards because they're not part of VQA. They don't make enough wine. But it said on their website we are located in Prince Edward County or located in Prince and they were told you can't use that. And that's unbelievable. And I mean, the point we're making, just so, so we're not dragging that whole story out, because, uh, I mean, by the time this podcast is released, it will be a little bit old news. But, I mean, there's enough rules for people to follow. And as soon as you start putting regulations in what can and can't be on a bottle, I mean, you're just, we do not need more bureaucracy for winemakers to work well, with. I, I, I spoke to, to Bruno and Jens while I was down there. And b before we go on to labeling, but it does have to do with labeling. If you are not part of VQA, you cannot put the word Ontario on your label, even if it's your address. Wow. That's ridiculous. Yep. Ridiculous. They could not put on their label, we are located, or, you know, we're uh, Old Third Winery, blah, 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 Hillier, Ontario. It just had to say Hillier or Hillier, Canada. I'm surprised they didn't yank Canada as, as, one, of their, as one of their terms. Anyway, VQA changed that and change it now. All right, moving right along. So you have a problem with old vines. I do have a problem with old vines. And I mean, it's especially after the travels, now that I've had an opportunity to visit places like California where Ravenswood have, and, and they make entry-level Zinfandel that's labeled old vines. And I think they're entitled to use it because their vines are 150 years old. But do they always use 150-year-old vines in the... Their, their vines are 100 to 150 years old on, on the property that they have. Okay, but now is all of their old vines wine come from the property? I mean, that's the thing. I don't know. It says old vines on the bottle, so I'm assuming so. See, I know that. I know that having been to some Australian uh, seminars, they have something called tri-century vines. Now it sounds like they're 300 years old. No, but it's, it's wine just, vineyards that were planted in the 1800s. But I mean, yeah, it's it's older vines, meaning that they've gone through three centuries. Started in the 1800s, went through the 19th, and now in, in the in the 20s, 21s. 
So, but but I mean, they've gone through these these centuries. So very interesting. And I mean, once I went to uh, when I went to Beaujolais as well, they use the term old vines on their bottles too. But they don't start using the term old vines until the uh, vineyards are maybe fifty years old. But is that canonized in their law? It isn't canonized in their law, as far as I, I know. Think, I don't think any of these terms are. You know which one isn't canonized, unless you're in Spain? And then another pet peeve of mine? Reserve. Ask people what reserve means, and they'll tell you all these wonderful, imaginative things in their heads. Reserve means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. I can tell you two stories about bottles of reserve wine. One is from a winery in Prince Edward County, who I went, and they had a bottle of reserve Cabernet Franc. And I said, so where's your regular? And he said, we don't make a regular because we can use reserve. I, I mean, these are all marketing terms. These are terms that people are using to, to sell wines. But, I mean, the more words you're using on the bottle, I mean, it's more confusion for the consumers, right? There was, there's another winemaker, I'm not going to mention, in Niagara, made Riesling. And one year, he wanted to test the word reserve. So what he did was he put reserve on one label of Riesling and no reserve on the other label of Riesling and actually filled both bottles with the same wine. And guess which one sold faster? The cheaper one. No, the one with reserve on the label, which was $5 more. Wow. Yeah. So you know what? Guess what? Stopped making a regular Riesling, made only reserve Riesling. Wow. Because you could charge more. Because people expect reserve means something. And until we do so, you know, if VQ, VQA really wanted to change laws, that's something that they should change. Don't go after a little winery for putting Prince Edward County on their website. Don't go after places for putting Ontario, which is where they're from, on their labels. You go after things like reserve for people who are just bastardizing the term, which is why a lot of wineries stopped using the word reserve. You mentioned in the last uh, podcast, Southbrook, they stopped using reserve when they were up in, uh, uh, in Thornhill. Yes. Because if I pull out any of my Southbrook bottles, I mean, as a consumer, you, you would need to be at the winery to understand and to see all the different uh, tiers that they have for uh, for the labels, the regular label, the Triumph, and uh, I guess they're now calling it the Estate Grown and Poetica, but the thing is it's very clear based on price point. But the information on the label, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned Southbrook too, because the reason I wanted to talk about this is is I have a wild ferment Chardonnay, which lets me know that the uh, bottle I'm drinking was not made with commercial yeast. It was done with a and, wild and ferment. Now, I know you make fun of me uh, in Chardonnay when I find one I like. Yep. I really liked the Hillebrand Showcase Wild Ferment Chardonnay from 2013. I've tried the 14. I think it needs a little time, and then I can be able to tell you which one's better. But, again, another winery that has gone away from the term reserve and have gone with something like Showcase, which is just a different, a different way to say reserve, but uh, it... it you know, it, it just doesn't speak the same as reserve, but they'll tell you it's reserve quality. There's something special about this wine. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, if, if you want to have special wines, like how do you define reserve then? And do we really want the government mucking around with that? Because, I mean, we're also in a position, too, where 
you know, what is reserved for a small winery might not be the same thing for a large winery. A winery like Trias or Hillebrand have the ability to make a reserve wine on a scale where it is reserve. You know, you can pull probably 20 barrels out of 200 because you have a winery that is capable of managing that many barrels and making a very good high quality reserve wine or, or premium wine on a large scale where a smaller winery uh, isn't going to have those resources at their disposal. So for them, a reserve wine or a premium wine or the top tier wine might only be their best two barrels, right? That's fine, but that's still a reserve. They've actually reserved it. I'm not saying that the government has got to get into the, uh, you know, controlling every last detail, but the term reserve is used so liberally that I think you have to get in there and say, look, if you're going to have a reserve, you've got to have something base. You've got to have a base model and then a reserve. You cannot just come out with a reserve right away and say, bang. Well, let's take Shadow to Charm for a moment. They have their estate series, but then they also have their single vineyard series, which is the Paul Bosque Vineyard and the St. David's Bench Vineyard. You go to that wine, they'll say, they won't say these are our reserve wines, but there's something special about these wines. There's the estate series, and then there's the special series of wines. And that's how they differentiate. They don't use the word reserve. And I think if you're not going to canonize the word reserve, then you got to get rid of it. And I think a lot of wineries have done that. I mean, that's the thing is if you're going to put something on a wine bottle, I mean, you can't take it for granted that all of your consumers know what these terms mean. I mean, you need to dumb it down. And I mean, it's, it's, it goes back to my argument about the word meritage. My issue with the word, word meritage is that it's not dumbed down or as simple as possible. And it also adds some ambiguity. And it's exactly like you said with the anonymous winemaker who's making reserve Riesling. See, I disagree. I di- I'll disagree with you. Meritage actually has a meaning, and people are starting to understand what that means. Reserve holds a special place in people's hearts. I teach wine classes, and I say to them, what does reserve mean? And everybody goes, it means it's special. It means it's held back. It's got something wonderful to it. There, You know, the... You know, people have a, a, a lofty version of what the term reserve means. And then it's so disheartening to look at them and go, it means nothing. Yeah. It's a marketing term, as you called it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's it. Uh, I mean, there's the core information on the wine, the alcohol and the varietal and the name of the winery. These are the terms that let you know what's in the bottle. But, I mean, everything else is basically marketing. And, and with your, your idea of old vines, I think maybe that should be canonized a little bit. You have to have a certain amount of age before you can throw old vines on the label. Here in Ontario, we got Daniel Lenko, who I think has some of the oldest Chardonnay vines in Ontario. And uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that have some old Chardonnay vines. But he can actually legitimately call them old vines because they're well over 30 years old, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, here's the thing, is is do we consider 30-year-old vines old vines? I mean, you take a look at French. Industry. But I mean, and you, if, you know, as they stay in the ground longer, then, yeah, I guess they would have to be. And you'd have to revise that every so often as to what old vines are. 
Like well, we, you take a look if at become you, a fifty-year-old wine industry. Then yes, you'd have to go. Okay, now fifty-year-old is now the plateau for old vines, and then now that's it. Fifty. If something's in the ground for fifty or forty years, that becomes old vines, or thirty years, or whatever. You got to make a plateau and say yes, this constitute old vines. You cannot put old vines on the label unless it's been in the ground for thirty years. You know, I think the term old vines does have some issues because you take a look at other regions. It's like we said, it's not canonized, it's not in law. But in, in France, I think you have this um, this really strong culture and community that if you were a winery owner there, you would not be the guy. If you tried to put old vines on a bottle with 30-year-old vines, I, I don't think that would fly. I think you would probably be pulled aside pretty quickly by some of your your colleagues to let you know that that's not what they do? Well, you know, but, but France has been making wine for a lot longer than Ontario has. But that's the thing is we have regions that have been making wine a lot longer that we can look to. And even California that is fortunate enough to have old vines, even if their commercial industry isn't as mature as uh, France or, or Italy or, or Spain. I mean, you, you do have models that you can look to and we just, we shouldn't be in a hurry to... Uh, we shouldn't be in a hurry to sort of jump the queue and, and, and try to add these terms if we want to be taken seriously. Now, surprisingly, and now I, I could be totally wrong here, but I'm starting to think about Italian wine. I don't see a lot of old vines on their labels. It's because you don't speak Italian. That's true. That's uh, true. To be perfectly honest, a lot of Italian labels have a lot of Italian words on them. They're labeled Italian by French. region. You know, I, I understand the French term, vieillevin. Yes. I, I get that. But, I, I mean, I just don't see a lot of... You know, they, uh, the Italians name a lot of vineyards. Yes. But they don't, as far as I can see. Anyway, I guess that's just something to to pay more attention to when I'm when I'm opening up Italian wine. I, I see it on um, on Spanish wine, and a lot of Spanish Grenache is very old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vieja Vigna or something like that. My 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 really good Spanish. You could say that was just great Spanish, eh? Some of my best Spanish was just said about two minutes ago. Not even that, a minute ago. Wow. Great Spanish. Whew. Hang on, I'm, I'm using Google Translate right now. Vieja Vigna, isn't it? Uh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Vieja? Okay. I don't know if you pronounce the J, but I mean, that's what it's there. <laughs> but I know what that means, but I don't see it on Italian. I just feel like that scene in Anchorman. Come on, Michael. You don't. I, you know I don't speak Spanish. When he's talking to the dog, yeah, I, I don't didn't see that. One. Well, I guess going full circle, we can uh, go back to uh, Vinyas Viejas. Viejas, there you go, Vinya Viejas. Yeah. Uh, going back to the beginning, though, like you talked about having your uh, your plastic cork. Yes. And uh, I agree with you on this that if you're sealing your wine with anything but uh, a regular cork and it's hidden under a capsule, you should mention that it doesn't have to be in like big black letters across the bottle but i think it is a fair warning to the consumer because as you said these plastic quirks are not meant to be aged not for not for that length of not for 13 years and and you'd be surprised because i i know michael and i'm sure you're not the only person like you have all sorts of oddities in in your cellar that were not made to be aged it's just you've been fortunate enough to have a cellar that can hold on to some really old bottles yeah, and, and you know what? It really is. It's just a test for me. I want to see what they're doing. But the moment I see that plastic cork, I'm like, this this wine never even stood a chance to get this old. You, still, you still tasted it, though. I think that's uh, 
you I'm tasted a, it. I'm a, I'm a professional. I'm, I'm willing to taste it. And uh, I'm sure I'll pay for it tomorrow. But I mean that that it was this it was uh, it defies description, Andre. It it I couldn't tell you how bad it was properly. Hashtag bottled diarrhea. Bottled diarrhea. It was just so bad. Oh my god. Well, have we listed all of our grapes? I know we kind of picked on reserve and old vines, but are there any other terms that we? Well, as I said, we you know as you said we, the, the the plastic cork. I know that there was a great uh, Vouvray that came through uh, the, the LCBO. At one point, it was $13 a bottle. I went and bought six bottles of it. And I said to my wife, I said, you've got to try this wine. It's so good. And I and, and I thought, you know, th- there's a little bit of sweetness. There's great acidity. Put one in the fridge. And, you know, we pulled it out that night. I saw a plastic cork. I took the other five back. I said, here you go. You know what? We're going to try this wine once. And I'm taking the other five back because I know these five are going to end up in the cellar. And in six years, I'm going to open one up. And it'll be absolute crap. So, but I saw that because I had bought X number. I don't, I don't always open the bottle right away. I figure, you know what? This wine should age a little bit. I have plenty of other bottles, as you see from the videos. I don't have to go to the bottle I bought that night. There you go. So, yeah, I guess there's so many things about labels that, that, are, that are kind of odd. I wish the Germans would kind of, you know, simplify their labels a little bit. Yes. But then I, sometimes I see that, and I, and I think they oversimplify them in some ways. So. I don't think you can oversimplify a label. And I don't know if I've, I've ever told you this, but my favorite and my absolute favorite, like not even not even a close second, but my favorite wine label is, is Ridge Vineyards from California. A very simple label. Simple, timeless. Uh, right in the front, they tell you what their, their grape varieties are, their percentages. And, and I mean... The important information is in big letters, and the nerdy information is in small letters. Yeah, and then the, and the important stuff tastes good. Yep. Which is in the bottle. Yep. Word. Word. Well, anything else you want to add, Michael? Have we griped enough tonight? I think we have. All right. Well, we've griped enough. Hashtag lots of griping. Hashtag I'm going to go drink more Chardonnay. Uh, hashtag I'm drinking a Spanish wine. Okay, you go do that. Um, Which is nine years old and tastes a shitload better than that Okanagan piece of garbage. Hashtag bottled diarrhea. I'm going to make it a thing. (laughs) I'm Michael Pincus, the grape guy from MichaelPincusWineReview.com. You can find me on social media, mostly under the grape guy, but sometimes under Michael Pincus. Just check them both. I'm not Dr. Michael Pincus, but uh, I sometimes (laughs) feel like it after opening something like that. Not a doctor, but you play one on TV. But I play one on a podcast, at least. <laughs> I'm Andre Pru from andrewinereview.ca. Find me all over social media at Andre Wine Review. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you like to hear us gripe. Or not. Sometimes we don't gripe we as are, much as we should. We are two guys talking wine. Good night. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe at twoguystalkingwine.com.